Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? This is Joseph Ott here. Um, this is the My Talent Checklist podcast where we talk with um, entertainers about the music and the uh, business of what they're doing um, and try to provide the listeners with some uh, understanding of uh, you know what makes them tick and, and what they can do and do better. Um, so, uh, th- like I said, this is Joe Ott here. We've got Chris Wills, of course, our uh, co-host on the My Talent Checklist podcast. Yes, sir. And today we have with us uh, Preach. And Preach is a hip-hop artist in St. Louis, um, originally from Romania. And uh, so, so Preach, um, were you born in Romania or... uh, yeah, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me on and much success and continuation. I'm happy to be a part of the uh, My Talent Checklist. Right, So right. rock on, guys. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. But yes, Joe, uh, I was born in Romania. I was yeah. born in 1985. A lot of artists are, you know, a little weary about giving her age, so I'll let you guys do the math. But I was born and raised in a city um, on the border of Hungary. So okay. Born in Oradia. My family moved over in 1991 of September, and I've been here ever since. Yeah, I've, been making right my, I've been making my way down Journey Road ever since. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And, and uh, you're out of St. Louis, right? Based out of St. Louis, correct. Yeah, very cool. Yes, very sir. Cool. Represent, that, represent. That, that's really interesting how a family um, from so far away in Romania uh, would pick, you know, coming to America would pick the center of yeah. America to live in. Yeah, well, I think we do have a lot of Eastern Europeans here, um, the Bosnians in particular. Correct. Was that a, they have the biggest population in the entire United States. Right, right. Yeah. So Over was, that, was that part of uh, what influenced you to come here? Or no, to be honest, I think, uh, well, I know my, my dad and mom, you know, obviously Romania was a, a communist country all the way until 1989. It was under right. uh, Russian rule, Eastern Bloc rule. And um, I found out by speaking to my mom and dad not too long ago, we were actually on the last plane that left from Romania to come to the United States. So apparently I didn't know that there were two planes in, in front of that one that we, we didn't get an opportunity to come over. Um, my dad waited, you know, he waited almost you know, close to 14 years to get his paperwork, his visa approved to leave. And um, we came over. But yeah, how we ended up in St. Louis, I think they gave my parents a choice to go somewhere to the West coast, maybe like Oregon, Ohio. And I think they just chose St. Louis. So there you go. Here we are the heart it's of kind of interesting. It's it is, right? And I think about that all the time, man. I think about a lot of, you could have ended home, up I anywhere ended up anywhere in the world. And you ended up in St. Louis in the gateway city. And that's, we're, that's and we're cool. thankful for that. Oh, we're very thankful for thank that. Oh, absolutely. I'm extremely thankful and humbled, man, because I think about my buddies back home and I think about the, Smart, intelligent, hardworking guys out there, and you know they're just sh- struggling to make a living. Romania is a beautiful country, but economically very poor. Yeah, still, mm. so corruption. So, does the uh, your Romanian mm. background? Do you think that influenced you to get into into hip hop? Man, now that I'm older and I look back at it, I think it had some sort of um, some sort of tie in with my music. Mm. I've always loved the customs and the traditions from back home, so. You know, it, it warms my heart. I often find myself watching YouTube and watching all the villagers and, you know, watching people <laughs> line dance and like our version of folklore music. And it's, I just love the custom. So I think it's always been a part of me. I think it's something that my mom said I was always dancing at a young age. And, you know, there's videos of me rapping a certain mix a lot. And oh, God, <laughs> all types of, you know, me and my, my buddy Chops, uh, you know, my mom and dad are peeing her pants watching that stuff. So but I think it definitely tied in, Joe. I think something uh, along the lines uh so you were beating on the pots and pans. I was and beating on the pots and pans. I was hitting the Congo. I was doing cartwheels and using my nunchucks and rapping at the same time. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So so when uh when when do you when would you say was like the birth of you like starting your, your music journey? Like what 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 influenced you and when did you first like you know what, I'm gonna try to write a, a rhyme today, like when, when was that? Man, when, a, when did that happen? That's a good question. So maybe I'll take it in a phase of give you guys a breakdown in a couple. So the first, the first, uh, first of all, hearing music and just seeing music videos blew my mind. You know, as a, as a kid, I'm like a sponge. I'm soaking everything in. I'm learning a language. I'm, I'm calling things the wrong names. I'm calling clouds clowns. I'm pointing, oh, look at the clowns. My buddy's like, hey, clowns, those are clouds. Right. You know, but... That's the cool thing that I, I remember about getting started with music is, the, you know, like they used to throw rocks at my window to get me to come outside and play. Right. Because you know, okay. kids being kids communicating like, hey, we like you. Come outside. You know what I mean? So we hung around. And then music, uh, what really got me into music now, 
that I think about it is Channel 58. We had a uh, television show back in the day called Channel 58 The Box. And man, you could call up and order music videos. Everybody had music videos. So every genre you could think of from the Blink-182s to the Bone Thugs and Harmonies to the Aerosmiths to Nirvanas, the Underground Guys. I mean, everybody. Even the Crips and the Bloods had music videos that were played on, on Channel 58. So... I, I'm at the first cassette tape I heard. Well, the first record I heard was by a Latin artist named Kid Frost. He was a big Chicano rapper, a Mexican-American rapper from the West Coast. And he had a song called This Is For The Raza. And I, <laughs> I heard the, the bass, and I'm like, oh, that rhythm and bass. And then when Dr. Dre dropped the chronic, yeah, game over. Mm-hmm. When I heard that G-Funk, I was, oh, goosebumps. So I, I really enjoyed the rhythm and bass, but... When I really, really said, man, I want to be like this. I want to do what these guys are doing. And so my, 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 my buddies and my, my mentors, Bone Thugs and Harmony, dropped in 1994. They're from Cleveland, Ohio. And when I seen that Thuggish Ruggish Bone video, I just I fell to my knees like it was the Messiah himself. I'm like, man, who are these guys? These guys are cool. Like, I love the sound. It's the Thuggish Ruggish Bone. Oh. Yeah, we used great. to mimic it through the neighborhood. You know, the neighborhood kids. We'd say, he, they didn't say Thuggish Ruggish. They said Duggish Ruggish. No, it's not Duggish Ruggish. It's <laughs> Thuggish Ruggish. We didn't know what the content was about. We didn't understand, the, you know, the, you know, the, the street lingo and uh-huh. all that stuff. So, But, yeah, that's really where it, like, kicked in and it fueled something. And ever since then... Around the age of 12 is the earliest memory I have. I really started putting down my ideas on pen and pad. So okay. that is, is when I was about 12 years old is really when it kicked in. And then I started writing uh, music. And uh, <laughs> I remember my first rap name. I don't think I've ever shared it. It was Rick Dog. Rick, Rick Dog. Rick Dog. Okay. You know, because my mom, my mom, my name is Eric. But my mother, I, I'm, I'm 36 years young. And my mother has never called me Eric a day in my life. I've never heard my mother say, Eric, come here. She say, Ricky, 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 Ricky. Ricky. So Ricky was like, everybody knew me as Ricky. So I guess, you know, I'm like Rick Dog. Yeah. Yeah, oh, Rick Dog, baby. That's right. 12 years old, baby. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he should release an album called Rick, Rick Dog. Rick Dog. Yeah. Just throw yeah. everybody off. a track, off. I mean. Just throw everybody <laughs> off. Oh, yeah, good times, man. God, I miss it. You know, because the cool thing about it, not to touch too, too much more on it, but, well, I don't want to deviate off the subject, but uh, I appreciate it because there were so many different ethnic backgrounds in the neighborhood I grew up in. Around, yeah, Tower would, Grove, would, uh, around Tower Grove. Around Tower Grove. Yeah, Tower Grove, South City. It was the melting pot. Yeah. You know, melting pot. I love it, man. Uh, I can see that. Oh, yeah. We had, you know, we had Cambodian kids. We had uh, Laotian kids. We had, um, you know, uh, we had uh, people from uh, Zambia. You know, we had one of my best friends growing up. His name was Chingape. You know, his family was from Africa. We went to school together and uh, really cool, man. I Did he call it. you Rick Dog? He didn't call me Rick Dog. No, 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 no. <laughs> Chingape, shout out to my buddy Chingape. We got suspended in the third grade together, but uh, yeah. What happened? Uh, man, that's the only suspension I had. But uh, I don't know what compelled me to. Uh, I was a young lad, full of a lot of energy, and we were playing, you know, karate in the yard and on recess. And some girls were jump roping, and me and a couple of my buddies thought it'd be a good idea to walk over there and mess with them. So I picked up a about a three foot stick off the ground and. I don't know what the heck was going on in my mind, but I lifted up her skirt and boom, I whacked her over the butt with it. <laughs> I know, man. Oh, I love, I respect damn. my women ladies. Rick dog, me. Rick, Rick dog. Was a, the yeah, Rick the Rick dog, dog little, came out. Yeah, the Rick dog. I said, so I got a three-day suspension for that, but luckily my parents were, uh, yeah, they were upset, but I thought they'd uh, tear my head off, you know, because my boy, there's no fear like my mother instilled in me, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I told my mom yeah. one day, you know, here's a funny story too, you know. Here in the United States, everybody's like, oh, you can call your parents on this. You can get the cops involved in, you know, good old-fashioned ass whooping. So I told my mom, I threat, you know, whatever the phone line is, I will, I, if you spank me, I'm going to call so-and-so and they're going to come get you. My mom said, oh, yeah, go ahead, call them. Boom! You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. So, yeah, there you go. Oh, good, good times, man. But That's thank you cool. for touching on that. Yeah, That's cool. So you, you said it was 12, uh, the age of 12 when you first started, like, writing your ideas down. Writing so ideas after... Down. Um, that period of time, how how much um, after that was your first release? My first release when I was 14 years old. And where did you release that? I cut my first song on cassette tape and my buddy Kodak, shout out to Kodak, Dax, Daxon Moore, much love my brother. Uh, I cut my first song at his house in his mom's attic at the age of 14. I, f- I cut my first cassette tape. I was 14 years young. And it what was, was the equipment that you guys Oh were my God, man. I don't even know. I think we were on like an eight track. It was cassette tape. We had a dual dual sided cassette player. He was doing all the recording. Him and Trey Foes. Shout out to Trey Foes. 
But yeah, we used to go to Kodak's. I used to walk. So it was as legit as it could be. It was as legit at at that time. It it was as legit as it can be, but the quality, of course, you know, was was very. You still have any of that stuff? Man, I know he he may have some of that stuff. I may have something tucked away, but man, we had some bangers. (laughs) And when I got a taste of that, Joe, it changed my life. I think that's what really pushed me even more into it. To dive, you know, to dive, to dive deeper into it. When I heard it, I'm like, man, this is cool. I want more of this. When you right, heard, right. When Rick I heard, it, I'm like, when I heard, yeah, Rick, <laughs> Rick Dog, hey, you're never gonna let that down. Now, hey, Rick Dog, hey, um, that's yeah, awesome, man, right? Right, that's awesome. Memories. Do you re- do you remember the first uh, song, uh, like the name? Do you remember that? I is don't remember. Somewhere on YouTube? I don't think I remember the first song because I think it was more like a freestyle over an instrumental. Oh, but I remember real? one song went something like, I don't think you want to smoke. Now with the real before I kill you. <laughs> I just might give you some of that herb you like. That'll blow your mind on side. That was Kodak. Kodak was writing the hooks, and I was just me and Chops would walk up there, and my buddy, my, my buddy Chops, we'd walk up there and always record. Man, we, we used to be anxious to get in there, and we looked up to those guys because they were a little older and they were already recording. They had songs, and I was just like, oh, oh, they're giving you opportunity. Yeah, it was yeah. an opportunity. Yeah, man. They, they were the first ones. No, this is that's really this cool. Is, this is very cool, and this is I appreciate them forever. Uh, he'll always have a place in my heart. Him and Trade, I, I love those guys. You know, they're all doing their thing, their family thing now. But they introduced me into a world that I didn't know existed really into the side of the music recording aspect of the music. Yeah. So I, I owe them that and I thank them for that opportunity. And it was fun. It was harmless. We were just kids being kids and we love music, man. So we didn't look at that business part of it. You know, we, we, we did it for the love aspect of it. And So, so the know. birth of Rick Dog was born. And then, like, how did you transition from being a solo artist, I guess, and initially into uh, the group or mm-hmm. uh, forming. Uh, did, uh, I remember you saying something about um, the young Grim- or wet gremlins. Wet gremlins. Uh, right. when, how did right. how did that situation come about? So the wet gremlins. That's a good. That's a good question, Yadi. Um, I was always I always considered myself a solo artist, but we did the group thing with my buddy Chops. And originally, a lot of people don't know my buddy Thump, my buddy Nick Johnson, who lived up the street from me on the same neighborhood same street he lived up the street on Potomac um he actually came up with the name and we put it together it was originally it was me chops and thump and then thump he was just you know young hooligan he was more into the girls and you know he's like a he's like a young uh what's what's his name what's dude's name from uh Ricky from uh, from uh what do you call it from boys in the hood uh Morris Chestnut oh yeah he yeah, was yeah. pretty you know he loved the ladies and stuff so he didn't really take the music as I don't want to say he's going to see it like, damn, really? <laughs> he was just more into the lady phase, which was cool. You know, and me and Chops, we were like, come on, man. So we kind of went our way and then ran with the Wet Gremlins. And then we introduced a guy by the name of Brian Stringer into it. Um, we brought him into it. And we did the Wet Gremlin thing for, for quite a while in the city. We did it for about a good six, seven years. Were you, were you still recording at the original spot? I was still spot? doing uh, – no, I wasn't recording at the original spot anymore. I, I, I went to a studio that was called Rock House Studios. It was in Lime. That's where I, that was like the real first real studio I really, when I say is, real is that, studio, is that studio like, does that studio still exist? I don't think it does. Day? I don't no. think it does. It was a guy by the name of Jimmy Guns who ran it. I don't think it's still there. I'm, I'm almost 99.9% sure it's not there anymore. Um, but that's what I consider like a first real studio because those guys were running it as a business. They had thousands of dollars of equipment. You know, they had the real deal. They had to. The, different booths in there and it was a business it was a paying the lease yeah paying the lease and all that jazz right so so you guys were like saving up your money and going in there and recording yep yep we paid by the hour yeah and one of the first engineers i worked with some uh, he was a guy named paul i'd call him off the wall paul you know (laughs) it was cool man and then from there i bounced over uh to jupiter studios now this is when jupiter studios was located downtown on washington they had a, a studio on the seventh floor and that's where i got a chance to meet my buddy matt sawicki who I've, has been my engineer for the past 16 17 years so when the wet gremlins came about is that when preach came about no the name uh the name preach came about before that we retired rick dog we, we put rick dog to rest <laughs> we retired what, Rick Dog. what was so there the name, just a, what like did your friend like man you know the name Rick Dog ain't really no, sticking. It wasn't that. Like, it was a lot of people would say, "Man, that's, <laughs> they'd say, man, you sound like a wise soul. Man, you sound like you have so much knowledge. You, you preach, are you a preacher? I preach." So everybody would say it, and they were like, "Man, you preach. What's up, preach?" Somebody, 
I can't recall who's it. So I said, you know what? I like that. Preach. I like that name. I like I like it because I feel like I could run with it, and that's who I am. So I put an acronym to it. I spell it with the periods. And now that I think about it, I'm like, man, I love my name with the periods, but it also it, it backfires on me because nobody wants to type in p.r.e. So I keep it simple. Preach STL now for music purposes, right? But But the name Preach basically came about because of my personality. People... Say, man, he's just something about you. It's just something I see, your aura. And so I said, well, who is Preach? Yeah, so I said, yeah. Preach is me inside out. So then I put an acronym to it. Me, I love acronyms. So Preach stands for peacefully respect everyone amongst continuous hate. So I chose oh, amongst. Okay, it was okay. more noble than among. You know what I mean? Like amongst, go, yeah. amongst continuous hate. Yeah. So from an attorney aspect, mm. Joe, um, like – there's, there's probably several people that are going to listen to this that um, are young under the age of 18 that, you know, form groups uh, to go record at these studios with their friends. Uh, what kind of advice would you give to maybe the uh, family or the adults uh, that, you know, supervise these kids or to potentially manage these kids? Um, because, I, I mean, at that time when you guys formed the group, uh, yeah. Wet Gremlins, yeah. were you still teenagers at that time? We were teenagers, yeah. I was about uh, 18 years old. Well, yeah, because I really, like I said, uh, it really kicked off for me when I was 14. I graduated, what, in 2003. So really, um, that's when things really lit up. And But we were already doing it, like, sophomore, junior years when it was popping. And then right. I remember the Wet Gremlins really kicking off. So did right you guys have, have, like, logo? Oh, and, we had logos. We wore green. And... We didn't have any of that, though. No, so our business was not intact. So you guys didn't really think no. business. You were just we thinking, were thinking music. music. And now we had a hell of a following. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they know it. Everybody knows it. You could ask St. Louis. Yeah. They, we used to throw house parties, man. We'd have 100 people in a small South City basement. I there mean, people yeah, couldn't. They were awesome. lined up to get in a party with us. You know, we, we were known all around town for wearing green. And we were, hell, they thought we were even a gang. We got flagged <laughs> many times and right. seriously, just riding around. Just So at what point, Joe, do you think that, you know, artists such as Preach and the situation of forming a group, uh, do they need to think LLC and business? Like, what, well, at I what think, point do you think yeah, that, that I mean, that's, you know. I, I think it's advantageous at the beginning. You know, we started um, – these series talking with stretch and um, you know, he was talking about Jay-Z and the blueprint and that kind of thing. And I think having that mindset um, is beneficial in terms of uh, developing your uh, following, but also basically the business of it. Because if you had the um, you know, say the LLC associated with your business at that time, you had all the copyrights and that kind of thing in order, then um, maybe it's easier to connect over a long period of time with those fans and develop it into something that's going to create sort of a recurring revenue stream or alternatively, even if you're not going for revenue, that'll just create um, a cohesive listener experience. So you can really build that relationship with the audience. And I think that um, there are certain legal things that you can do that'll um, enable that, you know, getting the LLC and that sort of thing. Um, and we were talking before about the name, yeah. you know, and basically I think a trademark on the name is a great idea Absolutely. because when you release music, um, you know, you want to avoid any confusion as to what is your release and what somebody else's. Um, and you want to be able to know when somebody searches on Spotify for preach that you're going to come up. Right. Okay. Because there's other, that's a great point, Joe, because if you type in my name, there are other artists, especially on YouTube where we get clumped in together. Preach and we yeah, preach the other and there's preach. another preach. Um, you know, there's you know, there's like two or three other preaches. Yeah. So I'm like, man, and my music gets clumped. So in. so like yeah, if you, if you were to trademark <clears throat> that, I mean, you know, you could prevent them from from using that name. Sure. Send them a cease and desist letter or something like sure. that. So you know, that, it can definitely be helpful. Yeah. Um, the, but the re- but the, I also think people shouldn't be dissuaded from pursuing that just because they don't have such legal protections, and they should just you know basically go for it like you did. For sure. Um, because you know the reward is in doing it in some mm-hmm. ways, um, and um, the legal stuff can come kind of as an afterthought, um, but it can also help you know cordon off your. Um, energies going forward and develop it into a more progressive and reliable structure, Mm -hmm. you know, so that it's more, um, got, it's got more cash and more, uh, weight going forward. So I think it's, it can be helpful for that reason. You know, fellas, when, when we got into it, yeah, like, you know, you've been doing a long time too. Joe, you know, back then we didn't have the resources 
like, oh, that yeah, these course, kids have yeah. now. Yeah, that, I mean, we were doing guerrilla mm-hmm. marketing. We would put cups on a highway and spell out a message. We would do flyer hand-to-hand transactions. You know, we'd go down there and peddle CDs in the Del Mar Loop, and, and we made a lot of money down here, but we'd get kicked out of there every 10 minutes because they say, hey, where's your peddler's license? Or you mm-hmm. can't be down here. You know, we, we I miss that aspect of the game. Right. I love that hand-to-hand combat is what I call it uh-huh. because that right there leaves your face embedded in somebody's in somebody's memory forever. And a lot of people till this day say, preach, I remember meeting you in the gas station, man. You pulled up, we pulled up, we were looking at this guy sitting here and it was you, you had CDs and I remember buying one off of you. And man, I, I didn't take that CD out of my CD player for three summers. Another guy told me, he said, I listened to your music so long, man. I couldn't, I had to get a new tape deck because my the CD wouldn't come back out, you know? So <laughs> mm-hmm. those are the memories that I love. And see, back then we didn't really understand. We weren't even thinking. We didn't have the mentality or that we didn't have the Jimmy Iveens, or we didn't have the Clive Davises, or we didn't just even have a person that was a little more business-minded to say, guys, that's all good and dandy. You guys are dope, but where's the business structure? If you want to really take this to the next level, there are certain steps that you have to take. Yeah, I think the knowledge take. was uh, on a, like, a stronghold back then to where it wasn't so freely accessible you know the yeah. game. The game wasn't. The game wasn't you know as accessible as it is now. Nowadays, you don't even. You can it, go viral and you, right. know, you need one song. And these kids are putting out five songs a week. They're flooding yeah. SoundCloud. And, you know and that's I mean? and that. That's the reason why I brought up that point for you to address on Joe is because, you know, the, the listeners are gonna listen to you know preaches a story of the history that he has, but these young kids now have all these tools and and it's easily accessible on the internet. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, having their, their per se, the ducks in the row from the beginning can actually just set them up for success later on down the road as their skill yeah, set. I think, oh, yeah. It's the knowledge aspect of it. I mean, nowadays exactly. the knowledge is much more uh, disseminated, um, much more easily available. And um, growing up with that sort of uh, knowledge structure when, young people begin producing content is uh, invaluable. Um, and I think that, you know, part of what we're trying to do is also to provide that um, education in a certain way. And I think it's increasingly viable for people to make a living doing these sorts of content productions, like with that music mm, and sure. um, having a defined business strategy, um, having a defined revenue stream um, and, uh, you know, we want to be able to give them the tools that they need to be able to do that basically. I, and I appreciate know? that from an artist's perspective, I really do want to see it. There's so much knowledge out there. And a lot of times I feel like it's overwhelming, especially mm-hmm. for a young artist. They don't know where to start. They think they just, you know, they, they have it under control and it's like, you don't realize there's so many things that you should sign your music up with. Whenever you put out a release, there are different ways. I mean, yeah, you could put out a release, and but if you don't sign up for Nissan SoundScan, you know, you're never going to be able to even have a chance to be on billboards, so quote, quote, unquote. And then and this is something I, I learned recently. You know, mm-hmm. I, a part of me feels bad because I feel like, dang, I really didn't take the time to really become a little more thorough as, as, as far as what I'm doing. I focus so much on art, artist, artistic point of my music. I didn't put the same amount of study into the business side of it and say, how can I get my music to go further with the listener? And not only that, what can I do to get a little more benefits from, from putting out my music, you know, because I've put out so much music and I've put out so much money out of pocket. Everything I've done is out of pocket. You know it. First yeah. And, and I think, uh, you know, he hit on it about not having enough time um, because you do only have a hundred percent pie into what you put your time into. Right. So if an artist is, you know, full blown in creative mode, putting out consistent content, hitting the studio on a consistent basis, but they don't have a team structure or such as a managed service to help them streamline those processes to where it isn't a cluttered confusion in their brain to where it's uh, very strategically outlined on a checklist to make their business structure come together nicely. Yeah, uh, I think I think that's the benefit of having a checklist. Right. Don't get me wrong, fellas. We had a lot of people come in and you know, quote unquote, play managementerial roles and try to get in and give us guidance and stuff. But I feel like, uh, you know, and I, and I, I appreciate that, but I feel like even those guys um, didn't really have the knowledge base that, or nor the track record um, really that, that would set them apart from anybody else or even us mm-hmm. with the, the little knowledge base that we had. So it's right. kind of like we're running in circles. We hear about these things, but do we really understand what it takes to 
solidify these things and to get the right paperwork. But if I would have had that right management underneath me, mm. I think some some things really would have kicked off. So you guys me, had a, a you guys age. had a huge following, oh, um, almost thought of as a gang, uh, and that's yeah. usually what happens. Like ICP, and that's not a negative thing. You ICP I mean? was yeah, you know considered the same thing with the jugglers and stuff yeah, like that. All but, labels um, means nothing. Besides selling tickets to obtain, um, you know, revenue, uh, what, was there any paid shows that you guys experienced during the time of the of the Wet Gremlins to where you guys actually got paid to, you know, headline a show or something like there that? There were a few shows. I can't say there were a lot of shows, but, yeah, there were a handful of shows where we got paid. Absolutely. So yep. the, the game back then was still, like, the artists sell the tickets and give the 100%, promoter. 100%. You know, that's That's... And the we name used of the to game be so back then. Eager to do that, Joe. We used yeah. to, man, we'd bring in so many. We'd bring in these guys so much money, even as a solo act. I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd open yeah. up for people and, and put my name on a flyer, and just the, the promoters would know just off of my name, I would draw fifty to hundred people in the door. So I'm like, man, um, you know, I I think that um, the the selling of a ticket when you're an independent artist, uh, I think there are some benefits to that still to this day because. You know, you you connect. You have such a easy access to people through the social media, right? And then having the ability to actually meet and have have them have a chance to actually see you prior to the show is a benefit uh, to be able to establish that fan base or you know a friend buying a ticket for another friend and you know just connecting the dots. Uh, that goes oh, kind of yeah. back to that hand-to-hand combat as you mm-hmm. as you would say yeah so but, so why don't we go into that though like what are some things in particular um when you were engaging in uh, the hand-to-hand combat that you would do to get people interested in your stuff so basically man when when i'd run into somebody you know i'd say hey how you guys doing my name is preach i don't want to take up your time i just want to introduce you these guys like hip-hop rap do you listen? oh yeah well we'd give them flyers Absolutely. Flyers, big time. We love flyers. Not only that, we invested in an LG five tower burning machine. I think we paid like $400 with it, man. And what's, I, what's that? I don't understand. It's, it's, it's a it duplicate CDs. Oh, okay, so okay. It's, it's a five, five. Yeah. Yeah. Tower, back right? in the day. So, okay. Man, yeah, yeah. we probably pumped out at least 50,000 just CDs out of that thing. So independently, that, independently, like off the on the street, machine. on the street. Now think about it. If we would have known about, you know, barcodes and understanding how to, counted as a number as a sale the technology you know, we, we, yeah the yeah. technology like those guys were doing in houston popping trunk making a million dollars straight out the trunk you know we didn't understand that man and it it, it 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 irks me but i also understand this is the reality of it it's nothing to be ashamed about I'm, it was I'm the name learned, of the so game the back name then. of the game man yep. you know but um that's what we did joe we did we had a lot of hand-to-hand uh cds were our main CDs and flyers were our yeah. two main uh, ways of promotion. We'd also put up posters. Oh man, we'd we'd get in a ninja mode. We'd climb up, you know, tack them on the street poles. Uh, <laughs> I think artists man. are really lacking that. Uh, you know, even, it, 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 well, today. even today, like even today. when we went to the music conferences um, and the the artist showcases that we've been to this year. Only a handful of them actually had oh, yeah. promo material. Oh, yeah. We put yeah. them at bus stops, man. We used to, every, if there was a show going on in town, by the time everybody gets back to their car, they'd all have a flyer under their windshield, under their windshield wipers. Yeah, there you go. You know what I mean? And, hey, I'm, st- I'm still going to do that. My next show, you know what I mean? I don't want to speak on it yet. I'll, I'll speak on it a little bit later on down the line. But uh, we're going to do the same thing. I think there's nothing wrong with putting flyers out there. And uh, why? I mean, how can you lose? People, people, all they might do is throw it out the window. You know, have I frisbeed a couple CDs before? Yes. <laughs> do I feel bad about it? Yeah, sometimes I do because I'm like, damn. What if is that after somebody you did... put it in the CD player? Yes. Or... yes. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't just frisbee it just to frisbee it. I, okay. I frisbeed it after yeah, I first went through like, it. Ah, said, no, yeah. I'm not I into can't. this. My yeah. ears are screeching. I'm not into this. And, and no yeah. disrespect. Yeah, it was a dick move, but I frisbeed it. I chucked <laughs> the shit out that motherfucker. I frisbeed it from here to South County. It was yeah. boom, straight past River to Paris. Right in the Mississippi. <laughs> boom. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, good funny. times. But yeah. The glorious River to Paris. Oh, glorious River to Paris. Oh. <laughs> so you have a, a very diverse, um, uh, I would say, vocabulary, and, and your uh, lyrical content is... Um, I, I would say over the top with your songwriting because uh, I've been a fan of your music for years, and um, I, I wanted to know where where exactly does your storytelling and and, and defining uh, certain I guess situations or life situations in your music where does all that stem from? 
like what what artists are you know I, I know you said bone thugs but like where when you're in creative mode and you're writing mm-hmm. a song where, where does that lyrical content stem from you think hold on so man to be honest with you i think it really stems from from the way i was raised you know i'm i'm, I'm very blessed to have both parents in my life they put down a really good solid foundation for me and my experiences just meeting people throughout my lifetime meeting people and understanding people's body language understanding their circumstances how they were raised many of the same people I named you know were uh, made mention to earlier that I grew up with you know just played in playing hide and go seek and you know doing somersaults and stuff like that in the neighborhood a lot of the, those uh, boys and girls they come from single family homes you know they didn't have the same family structure that I did you know we you know I had both parents and I have an older sister but you know mom we were poor we came over here with nothing you know mm-hmm. so I really appreciated and and being able to see, you know, the struggle through my parents' eyes and seeing how hard they worked made me really appreciate what what um, you know being a human is about and how hard people work and how fragile people can be and and how strong people can be at the same time. So okay. I take those experiences and I put them in my music, and I just I've always had that just just a humane aspect of my music. A lot of people when they hear my music, they think it's automatically because the name preach. They think I'm a you know gospel or yeah, they, think I'm, they think I'm a Christian tones. rapper, yeah. and, and that's cool. I'm I'm definitely a man of faith. I'm a spiritual guy more than anything. I love people from all walks of life, and I just think it's something that's always been in me deep down, man. And and having a you know having a Romanian background, having understanding that I'm fortunate, you know, immigrant kid that came over here and had, and I was given the opportunity to become something I think really plays forth in my music. Mm -hmm. I look at, I look at everybody with an open mind and open heart. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't pass judgment on anyone. How can you, you know, sometimes we said, Hey, this guy over here, he's a dick. And then that guy ended up being the coolest guy. You know, you never know, man, Mm -hmm. you can't, I, I don't think you should just, you know, just throw that out there on somebody, get to know, kind of, kind of feel them out. But yeah, that's really how that aspect of, of my music comes in into play, and it ties in from my upbringing, 100%. So big shout-out to Mom and Pops. Big shout-out to Mom and Pops. Right, the right. biggest shout-out to Mom and Pops. I spoke to him today, actually. I was on a Facebook with him. That's the uh, beauty, see? That's the beauty behind the technology we have nowadays. And back, yeah, back, able to back, see makes face. the world a lot smaller. Yeah. No yeah. doubt about back that. Back in the, ba- uh, the box days, you couldn't. Uh, you know. Back in the box days. No, but I sure say, Mom, can I have a dollar? Uh, boy, I'd see that video come through. I knew th- I knew Thuggish Ruggish Bone was coming on. I see that whatever number it was. It was like 664 or 99. And then I'm like, here we go. Yeah. So I'm waiting for it patiently, popcorn in hand. I'm like, here we go. Then they're standing around a fire barrel. He's 99. This is where I'm like, Darnell, come here, come here, come here, come here. Man, we used to imitate those guys and. Ah, uh, throwing bandanas. And, you know what I mean? it so it sounds crazy, like man. you you've had an interesting walk uh, as an artist, uh, especially coming uh, from a different country. Um, so during your your longevity of, of being an artist, because it sounds like you've been an artist for how many years? Would you say? You already help me with the math here. So let's say well, twelve to thirty-six. Yeah. Oh, no, 12, 12 to thirty-six. Fourteen years. Yeah, fourteen years. Yeah, man. So out of that fourteen years, what, what would you say are some of your hardest um, I guess downfalls or mistakes that you've you've made along the way and how um, how were those teachings uh, or those mistakes uh, considered your teachings to you know bring forth the wisdom to make you into a better artist uh, to grow and develop that's a good question Yadi uh, some of the biggest mistakes I would say is relying on other people 100% in what way in a way of don't worry, man. I'll take care of this part. You just keep doing this part. You know, um, really putting putting your faith that something will get done instead of just taking the time to learn it a little bit and doing mm. it yourself. I put a lot of I put a lot of faith, and I'm not saying you know sometimes it, it worked out well, and sometimes it backfired, and a lot of times it would backfire more than it would progress. So I think one of the main things that I would tell any up and coming artist is yes, don't be one of those guys that say trust no one. Or don't trust anybody. No, man, that's bullshit. You should be able to build viable relationships and, and, and relationships that can prosper and last throughout a lifetime. But be truthful, be upfront, and understand that not everybody's going to have your best interest in mind, whether they do it on purpose or whether they just really can't perform that task. I've put a lot of faith in a lot of people's hands expecting these things to get done. So, you know, they handle this while I'm over here focused on being an artist and it didn't get done and it's okay. There's no hard feelings there, Joe. You know what I mean? People, you live and learn. But I, I think that's a big uh, equation of uh, 
of the success to an artist is by having a, a well-structured team. Mm-hmm. Would you not agree, Joe? Yeah, yeah. I think that that can obviously be very helpful in terms of uh, getting stuff uh, in a productive way and in a measurable way, getting things accomplished. But I also appreciate what he's saying in terms of the uh, ability to do it yourself. Um, and I think, you know, for instance, like if you're uh, like at least having some production skills, for instance, for a hip hop, oh, yeah. uh, for somebody that's trying to rap, you know, you should really know your way around uh, the DAW and know your way around the beats and that kind of thing. Because otherwise, if you're entirely dependent upon somebody else to be doing that kind of thing, then uh, kind of at a standstill. Yeah, and, and also you can't you can't really verify that they're doing the work that they're That's saying right. that they're doing, you know. That's so right. um, you don't you you need to kind of walk the walk a little bit in order to appreciate the quality oh, contribution sure. of somebody else. For sure, right? guys. Yeah, I mean it's the same concept. You know, you got guys jumping around on stage, but really, what purpose do they serve up there? If I got a guy that's supposed to be videotaping my show, his job is to videotape, and next thing you know, I'm asking, hey, do you have the footage? Do you have any footage? You can't produce any footage. Then, were you just up there bouncing around and just hanging around to get the girls afterward? Or was it, you know, if I got a guy that's making an ass out of me and he's representing my team, you know, and then I have to hear it from somebody and say, hey, man, get your boy over here because he's acting ass. He's over there pinching the promoter's nipples and that's I'm, <laughs> we're not doing none of that stuff. That right. I can't have any of that stupidity around and, and I refuse to, man, because at the end of the day it falls back. It's not so-and-so did it. Oh, that preaches. That, yep. You yeah, know, and that's it goes not back what I'm about. To the brand. And I'm, I'm just saying in general. I'm mm-hmm. nobody. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in general. You know. So yeah, I try think- to be more hands on. Is, is is what I can say. And now the cool thing is, there's so many videos. I mean, YouTube alone is almost like a class in itself. Yeah, YouTube, I mean, from the basics, from the bottom of the bottom, you can type in anything and, and learn the first three basic steps to what you're wanting to dive into. Right. I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah for, sure. for sure. I think that's. Uh- I think that's a reliable source, you know? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff on YouTube, and also there's kind of a democratic element in terms of the views because if it's quality content and getting a lot of views. For sure, and the cool thing is you're able to read through the comments and really see people that have been doing it for 20, 30 years say, you know what, this guy makes a lot of sense and it's a wonderful way he's taking time to explain this because that's all we need sometimes for something to click in our mind and say, oh my God, why didn't I think of this? Is something so simple could have added on so much more value to my brand. Do you have any uh, particular memories of coming to those sorts of realizations? Um, any memories that really jump out, jump out. I can't say I really do, but I just just the um, the visual aspect. I think being able to put together a creative visual along mm. with your song, right. That's something that sticks out immediately. And I think that really having that understanding that it doesn't take a whole budget. It doesn't take you having to rent cars and do all this crazy extra stuff. And you don't need all that. You just need creativity. So and don't be so direct when you're rapping about this in music. Don't, you know, um, maybe maybe make your visual something that would be further away than what you're even talking about. You got to mm-hmm. be creative. So don't go word by word. I'm waving a flag and you're waving a flag in a video. No. You know so, I mean? so as far as that uh, create creative ability, which video uh, do you have that would probably um, back what with what you're saying? Wh- which one do you think is your most creative uh, body of work visually? Hmm. Out of your videos on on YouTube, all oh, the ones that are released. Um, which one sticks out of your out of your mind? I would say just. I would say homicide. 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 Yeah. Um, there's another one that's unreleased. We want to release it more so toward October. It's a collaboration I did with my buddy, my buddy Space. Shout out to Space. Um, but I feel like a lot of the videos I did were, were well put together videos, Joe. I just, now looking back in hindsight, I wish I could have had more time to put into them, you know, and not worrying about getting it done in one day because a lot of things we're fighting as independent artists, the budget is the struggle. You know, sometimes it's hard getting a videographer to mm-hmm. do exactly, you know, because they're like, man, I'm not going to do all this for 300 bucks and for, yeah, like, you yeah. know, and then I, I got 20 other gigs coming up this month and I respect that. So it's like, what can we do to make it stand out in, a, in, in four hours? You know what I mean? So then you push it out because you're eager about it. And then you look back at it. You're like, hmm, damn, I had this idea, that idea. Now I got this. Idea. But what's done is done. Mm-hmm. I take nothing away from it. I have beautiful, beautiful bodies of work, but I don't even think I put my best foot forward yet. 
to be honest with you, to be completely 100% honest. Something clicked in me about two years ago, and, and I just, I'm looking at it way different now, Joe. I'm looking at it as I have nothing to prove as far as my, my lyrical ability. They know what time it is with me, Yachty. The city knows. I love my city. But I'm not just thinking St. Louis. I've stopped thinking St. Louis a long time ago. I'm thinking worldwide. Yeah. yeah. I, want it, I want Preach to be gold, platinum in Belgium. I want to hit Croatia. I want to hit, you know, Sweden, Finland. Canada, you name it, Brazil, Venezuela. I want to be everywhere. Yeah, Preach so is global. Are you rapping in Romanian or primar- primarily in English? I have a few tracks uh, that I've been going back and forth on. And every every time I do, Joe, I get a great response, man. I get the craziest response from people back home in Romania. They say, yeah, bro, why sure. don't you do more? Like, how is it that you're not on yet? Like, well, what yeah, it's, is kind it of a, it's kind of a cost benefit because, you know, Romania is going to have a smaller audience than yeah. um, something in the English language. But at the same time, you know, repping the homeland and oh, that man. type of thing. And, um, you know, so there's actually a lot that you can do legally in terms of collecting royalties abroad. Sure. So I have um, a bunch of friends that are, po- you know, basically – they release stuff and it's like they, you know, they're getting on the radio in Zambia and that type mm-hmm. of thing. And it's like, you know, basically the um, performance rights organizations are not going to go about collecting those royalties. Right. And that's so what there's a lot well. of there's a lot of money that you leave sitting the on sitting the table. There. Yeah. If you and and so having um, a team that can. Because basically what what you want to do is keep track of where you're getting the plays um, and then see if it's worth it. But if you're getting a significant amount of plays, you know, and you're going to get a nice couple hundred, couple thousand dollars from sending a letter, then obviously you should do that. And I would agree because when I was able to check my analytics, you know, just d- different ways, you know, my Spotify analytics, my, my YouTube numbers, I'm seeing a lot of hits, Russia, Poland, Romania, I'm like, man. UK, Brazil, Brazil especially, they're really into the, you know, faster rappers. They're really into mm-hmm. like the bone thugs and the twisters. And so I, I I told myself, I said, one of my biggest goals to add on what you guys asked earlier as well, like what what I'd like to see happen is I'd like to I'd like to be able to tour. I'd love I'd love the opportunity to go back home and really do a tour back in Romania. I think it's something that could be done. And I think if I work hard enough this year going into the next year and put together some visuals and do some you know, half and half Romanian English that people love so much, I think that we can really knock the door down out there and say it would make a great story. Like, yeah. look at this guy that, that that left at a, such an early age. You know, he speaks Romanian pretty fluently. Some of his words are a little off, you know, but, mm-hmm. I mean, do you blame me? I've been gone for what? We've been here since 1991. I mean, that's 30, 30 years. You know what I mean? So for me to be able to still hold on to those, I think it would really play over well. And I think people would really, really dig it, man. Yeah, I think, I you think know, they would really dig it. I think the, it'd be a cool story. The, the right release strategy, too. You know, you get because you can key. actually really tailor those releases to that audience. That's basically. The key, and I think it's um, yeah, I think it's it's absolutely something. And I'm fully do. tapped in with what's going on in Romania. I'm seeing the artists. I'm seeing the young guys. I watch the old guys, you know, because I used to go over to Romania. My mom would send me home. I'd stay for for three months at a time I'd go stay with my grandmother but I love it and I see what's going on out there and I said man this is what I'd love to be able to touch the minds and the hearts of the people back home a lot more and that's that's something that I plan on doing I'm actually working um, on a few songs with a producer from back home real real nice guy he goes by the name of Sin Beats my buddy Mihai we're gonna put together a good campaign he said preach but when we do this we have to make sure we're very very you know, smart about the way we do it because we can. And he said, I have people back home, you know, but we have to be smart about how we push this. And if we push it the right way, dude, it could be a great thing. Mm-hmm. You know, again, the, the, the little response I'm getting just not even promoting those songs, but people are reaching out to me in my inbox saying, bro, where are you from? You're you're Romanian, dude. You rap better than anybody back home and keep going. Why are you not bigger than you are? And if I only had a dollar for every time somebody asked me that or why I'm not signed to Strange Music, you know, much love to everybody, man. I just feel like a part of me. I, I feel like I'm. I got greater heights to to. Yeah, you're to you're climb. on the you're still on the ascent, and I'm and still we're, on the ascent. We're definitely going to help you get to 100%. to the place where you can get that. And I think part of it is getting your intellectual property um, arranged into a proper portfolio um, under your business name, and then also a really solid website and marketing campaign. Um, and I I don't see any reason why you wouldn't be able to do that. 
Um, so there's definitely some stuff we can do to help you with. with I appreciate that. that. I would really yeah. appreciate that. And you know, uh, you know, my hunger's there. My hunger has never ceased. My hunger growl is, 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 is growling more so than ever. Um, my work ethic is there. I think, you know, my confidence is definitely there. My ability to rap, I can, you know, I can run circles around these. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. But again, I'm not in competition. I love seeing everyone win from, from the artists in St. Louis to the artists I've met abroad there's enough for all of us to go around, man. We just got to keep pushing. I think that's the thing about it is, you know, keep pushing. But but know, know where your sights are and, and know the road that you're trying to walk. Right now I'm comfortable doing what I'm doing, Joe. I know where I need to improve, where I think it's going to help my overall growth. And that's like you said, is being able to find ways to really put a good campaign out there. And I think once I do that, my eyes are going to open even wider and I'm going to say, holy shit. This is what I've been waiting for right here. And it's going to pick up organically. And then the cool part about it is I feel like when they get to know who I am as an artist, they're going to go back from my newest body of work to my oldest body of work and say, man, this guy's been doing this for this long. Yeah, it's going to be brand new. I mean, I think it's body of work is going to be brand new to them. I think it's a great strategy, too, because your dollar is going to go much farther in Romania than it is here. So basically, I mean, you could even in advance of your tour do like billboards and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, and it would be oh, like yeah. uh, an eighth the cost. So right. I'd be crazy. You know, and then if you get me. if you get a nice organic um, body of listens growing out of Romania, um, you know, then you can use that growth to. Um, oh yeah, accelerate bolster the mm -hmm. yes accelerate cause you know accelerant as an accelerant upon your growth uh, domestically too for sure. Know, so. And you know those guys back home are smart. They have good guys moving back home. And what, what one thing I like about the artists that they're doing is they're not only catering even Romanian artists because we're Latinate, you know. So you know we're Latinate by blood. So what they're doing is they're doing a lot of crossover hits. They're doing a lot of songs that are getting recognition. Songs that are recorded in Romanian or hits in Romania are also hits in South. America. I'm talking millions and millions of hits. Yeah, because Romanian is a romance language. It's a romance right? language. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. Like Portuguese, French, Spanish, yeah. same concept. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. So That's interesting. I get, I get, see, these are the things I get excited about. Like, I, I, I visualize this. I could visualize me on stage right now in Bucharest, in Bucharest, you know what I mean? Just rocking it and saying something in Romanian, saying, thank you guys for having me. And da 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 da. You guys ready for me to kick this shit? Kick it, preach. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm visualizing it, man, and I will get there. I told yeah, my parents, we're getting there, man. A journey road. I haven't stopped. I just had to switch up my strategy a bit and understand. I've so done everything I could do here yeah. in my city. It's time for me to take their show on the road. So speaking of strategy, when, when did you come to terms to where you were like, you know what, I'm going to form a business and uh, putting the, the, the title and the name to your business? So, like, when did your company your record label, your um, business come about? Like, how did, how did you, who influenced you to do that? Like, a lot of um, artists, they fail to incorporate themselves in some fashion. And what, in, what dro drove you to the LLC? I think what initially drove me to the LLC is just like anybody else, you're watching these guys, you see no limit records, cash money records, you know, rough riders, everybody. You as an artist, you always want your own label, quote unquote. Did I know what comes with that? Absolutely Did you like watch not. a YouTube video and like, you know what, this sounds like a good idea. Let me Google it and find out how much it costs. Like what, what, what inspired you to actually do that? Or did you do that just to have it on the back burner? I did that so just to have it on a back burner. So when it's ready, okay. I can say, yes, okay. preach unexpected music. And I said, what's the best, what's the best thing that defines me as an artist? Because my music is in a moment. I can't even put myself in a lane. That's the bad thing about it. I, it irks me sometimes. Cause I'm like, man, I, I don't know. It's like one song is so different than the other, but my buddy agree with said that. it best. Like I said in the last interview, he said, preach, he's the type of artist. He said, man, this guy, my brother, he, he, he makes music in a moment. He makes music based on what he feels and that's the truth i cannot go against the grain i refuse to go against the grain because it's it's not what i do it, i think it, it, it like happens limited, organically i think you know doing that it, it can especially in the the genre of hip-hop you can succeed in doing a specific uh, particular type of rap but i think like you having an open mind it keeps your your uh, creative juices flowing to where you're not locked in a box to where you now open yourself to uh, being labeled as a music artist opposed to a 
specific genre based like subgenre under the hip hop and you know i think that preach um is is a fine definition of a music artist that is labeled as a hip hop artist but that makes sense. Yeah, I love. I love because I've, I've listened to your Daddy, catalog. I feel like I'm all, a pop artist at the end well, of the day too. I love yeah. pop. I love underground. I could do it all. I just don't want to be all preachers, the underground fast rapper. No, there's so much to me that I haven't even tapped into yet, and I feel like I'm slowly getting there, even more so. You know, the one thing that I could say that I like about preachers' music, uh, as being a listener for several years, is the um, the choice of the instrumental. I think he's very, uh, you have a, a super good ear for a choice of an instrumental and how, you know, even in some of the instrumentals that you do pick, you know, with me being an artist as well, I'm like, man, how would I even attempt to write something? And then, you know, the, the, just the beauty of the song creation and the songwriting that he delivers on particular instrumentals, I think is the true definition of a music artist. Yeah, I, I would you, agree man. with that. You, you know, I, I was very impressed when we went to uh, Soul Sheds. Shout out to Soul Shed, um, the jam over. Oh, in, absolutely, uh, South City. And oh, you yeah, were, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was cool. And you were, uh, jam you were, you know, flowing over yeah. the, um, uh, like the jazz backing. Mm -hmm. You know, it was pretty sick. A little yeah. impromptu. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we really were talking right. about that the other night when yeah. we went to see uh, Ryan Marquez. Yeah. So you know, big shout out to Ryan Marquez. Um, but yeah, Joe brought up a good point that night. He said, I, I think it would be awesome to put together a, a concert, uh, with, or some kind of, you some, know, some, some, some releases or some something. releases yeah. with, uh, the jazz influenced, um, musicians with your vocals. I, I think Man, that I would, would be, love that. I think I that love would the be the concept amazing. of having a live band. Cause Ryan, that would take, that would be, a yeah, whole uh, Ryan, said something, band, yeah. Ryan said something very, uh, funny to me that night when he was, uh, when we were at his album release, he said, Words of wisdom: Never give your music to a jazz musician because we will mess <laughs> it up. Yeah. Oh. Meaning they'll take it and do a whole rendition of your song Excuse and make it sound completely like nothing like that nothing. you've ever heard. Wow. Yeah, but like so the same I, th I think it's beautiful. Though. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, preach before we, um, you know, end this um, interview and, and, and uh, wrap it up. Um, is there any business legal uh, questions that you would like to ask Joe while we're here on the show that, you know, you have the opportunity um, here on the My Talent Checklist to be face-to-face -face with the entertainment attorney? Is there any, you know, questions or, or doubts that you've had during your walks of, of being an artist that you've always wanted to have the opportunity to talk to an attorney about? Mm. You can call me anytime, by the way. No, 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 I appreciate that. No, no, I, to be honest with you, Yadi, at the moment, I mean, I'm sure I do. I just, you know, I really can't touch on any one thing right now, but I'd love to start with the trademark of the name, of course. And then I did have a um, producer-artist contract that was presented to me uh, when I did buy an exclusive beat or some verbiage, and I didn't really understand why I'm like, I want to, main thing is I want to credit everyone the honest way. Right. You know, if I want to abide by the contract. I don't, you know, of course. I just want to, there was something in there that I didn't really understand. So i definitely like to shoot it over to Joe and maybe you could take a look yeah, at it. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say, love to help. Well, this yeah, is all that means. Send it by and I'll, uh, yeah, I'll give it a read. No problem. Okay. Yeah, you know, I do I have a question that. about, you know, contracts like yeah. that. Yeah. If you're present, uh, you know, you buy, you buy an instrumental and you're presented a contract and say you find something within that contract that, doesn't set too well with you, but the rest of the contract does. Is there any way to rebuttal those terms? Or to yeah, so basically, yeah, it's the principle. I mean, basically, there's offer, acceptance, and consideration in a contract. So um, if you, when you're looking at the original contract for the beat that you bought, you know, basically, that's their offer. They're saying, these are the terms, and if you agree by these terms, then sign below, and the performance of the obligations will be governed by this contract. Um, but if you scratch stuff out and write additional stuff in there, then that's your counteroffer. And mm -hmm. then when they sign and approve the counteroffer, then th those terms become the terms. So, I mean, you always have the opportunity to negotiate. negotiate. But yeah. one of the big things you got to look out for in this situation is that the con the written contract governs. So basically, like, whatever they say to you is basically not relevant. So, like, the only thing that matters are the, you know, the four corners of the contract. The black and white. Yeah, so mm -hmm. you've got to make sure that... Um, 
in particular with these uh, like co-producing 360 type arrangements that, you know, you are very clear about the terms of it and that the other person is too, you know, basically just like you're saying, because nobody's in most cases, I mean, I think these deals start out, everybody's trying to be fair, but over time it can cause tension for sure. I've seen it happen with mm. artists and record companies and that type of thing causing tension because the terms of the initial arrangement were ambiguous or not understood well by one or both parties. Sure. Um, and so, you know, just as a matter of good business practice, it's always good to, you know, have it reviewed if you need by a lawyer, but also just make sure that you make explicit on the contract, this is, you know, this is what we agree. That's about. right. Yeah. Right. To get off on the right foot. You know, I just want to be fair and everything. And I'm, I want to play my part and make sure I take care of 50, 50, because that's what it is to me. It's a collaboration. They lay down that backbone, especially, you know, if that's, that's what we agree on. That's what right. the uh, agreement states clearly in, in, in the contract. Mm -hmm. But I just want to make sure I'm understanding everything that I'm obligated to do when I do release the song, give them full credit, you know, pay them this, you give them this much publishing, you know, give them this much, you know, as a composer on ASCAP or whatever, whether, if, whether there would be BMI or ASCAP. The attributions. You know, the attributions. Yeah, right. I want to make sure I, I, I'm 100% yeah. doing what is is asked of me from, from the paperwork. Yeah, so, and, like, my yeah. form contracts are very simple. Like, mm -hmm. it's most at most a couple pages, and I just like to have a table, you know, as far as the percentage breakdown because I think that's where people need to be super explicit, basically. Right. You know, because there's multiple types right. of um, rights associated mm -hmm. with the final exactly. work. And so you want to make sure that that's crystal clear. And I think that's cool because any anybody that feels that way really means that they care. You know, yeah, they care exactly. Enough, they want to do the right yeah. thing. So, you know. yeah. I, I also yeah. feel that, you know, uh, from an artist's uh, perspective when buying beats, that an artist should be able to present a contract to the producer um having the producer sign off that they, you know, are reliable uh, and responsible for the use of any samples within that instrumental that the artist isn't aware of. Yeah. Because yeah. there are certain tones, uh, riffs, and stuff like oh, that yeah. that the artist may not know where that particular, man, that sounds really cool, and then come to find out that song becomes success, and then you have the the original sue you for everything you got. Yeah. So when, when people I, I have a problem should with that, be some, yeah. some form of artist to producer um, to where the producer actually signs off and says, yes, I came up with this own creation. Well, or at minimum. So basically you just, I mean, what I always do is just have them put in a warrant, basically that the producer warrants that they own all the intellectual property associated with it or have the right to use it basically. And yeah. that they will indemnify and hold harmless the final person that uses it from any claims for infringement as a result of employing their work. Yeah. And I think so that's, it's, it's I a think that's a powerful uh, contract yeah. for every artist on the planet that's doing hip hop to actually yeah. have. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Anything involving uh, samples and that, that type of thing. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, it's unlikely you're going to get hit with a big infringement lawsuit but if it takes off you could get a cut taken out of your that's you know, right so that's it that's, could hurt the penny bank yeah most definitely yeah yeah, yeah. we don't want the penny bank <laughs> right. we want to keep the yeah, change inside the, the penny, piggy we need that penny bank we want to keep yeah. the pennies inside the oinky <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so uh preach before we let you go is there any uh upcoming events or any shout outs that you'd like to give and where people can find you on social media man right on yeah i want to send a shout out to everybody man when i say everybody <laughs> i want to send a shout out to everybody that's working every day all all my friends and family i haven't been able to maybe see uh due to what's going on with the you know covid pandemic i want to send a shout out to everybody that continues to support my brand in any way shape or form i love you guys and i thank you you know it means the world to me because i know there was a lot of blood sweat and tears and there's still a lot of blood sweat and tears that goes on man and just know that i, I haven't stopped i feel like i'm just getting started uh i feel like i'm ever growing as an artist and i just want to say much love and, and much respect to everybody man and i hope everyone um, continues to, to, to find a lot of success in, in all their endeavors to all my music buddies out there, man, keep pushing, keep grinding. We all go through it, man. Some days we wake up and say, F it. I was like that, you know, a while back, um, when my best friend passed away and, you know, I want to send a shout out to, to sketch. I want to send a shout out to mama G. I want to send a shout out to everybody that was affected. His birthday's actually coming up and it's a real, uh, interesting time for me, man. And, uh, but I, wanted, I, I want him to know that your brother Preach is going. We're pushing forward. Journey Road hasn't stopped. I'm going to keep doing it because I love it. The love is there. 
just like the love is there, I want my business to be intact all the way right. 360, and we ain't talking about a 360 deal. I mean, 360 business music, round and round like a merry-go-round. So shout out to everybody, man. I love you guys. Keep in touch with me. Follow me, my social media links, PreachSTL, at PreachSTL. Um, working on a website. We'll have that back up and soon, uh, coming soon, and then we'll have some merch out there for you guys as well. So and make sure you're streaming and bumping my new music. I put out six songs in the past five months, so let me know which ones you guys like, man. And I love you. And we're going to take this shit to the next level. That's right. That's That's right. right. And like the Yada Dice say, all for one, one for all. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me, man. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, just to let you know, uh, we'll go go ahead and give you guys the September calendar real quick for the people that are are tuning in for the artists that we have coming up on the show. Let me get to it real quick. We have coming up. And next Sunday, September 19th, we have V.I. Peach, uh, which is a female uh, hip-hop artist out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And then September 26th, we have B, uh, Big G from BBMG. Um, he owns BBMG. It's a big big B music group out of uh, uh, southern Florida. I think you – I remember you telling me about your, your buddy down there. Yeah, so in October, just real quick, we have uh, – October 3rd, we have – uh, Funk Man out of Chicago. Hey, uh, October, shout out to Funk Man. October 10th, we have Smoke Coleon from Nashville. Uh, October 17th. Shout out Smoke, too. That's my brother yeah, from another. There you most go. Most definitely. October 17th, we have Chevy uh, K. Martin, uh, awesome videographer out shout of St. Out Louis. Chevy. I can't wait to do some work with him real yeah, soon. Yeah, and then October 24th, we have DJ Hammer uh, from oh, Richmond, yes, yes. Virginia. Very talented. And then uh, Halloween, we're going to close uh, October out with Steve O'Brien. Okay. From Jefferson County. Yeah, yeah, shout out to Steve-O. Yeah. yeah, so that's what we got coming up um, See, here in the month, love, month man. and a half uh, to come here at My Talent Checklist. Be sure to follow us. Uh, click the subscribe button. I, I just started the YouTube uh, station, so we're going to be chopping down these hour-long um, live streams into short clips uh, per the questions that we asked uh, the artists uh, that we bring on to the show. And I appreciate everybody tuning in. And until next Sunday, this is Chris Wills, Joseph Vott. Thank you, Preach, for coming on. Thank you, guys. And tune in for next uh, Sunday when we're live with VIP. Oh, yeah. Until next time, folks. Ciao. All right. All right. That was good. Oh, man.